Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, Christian Porter drops his defamation case against the ABC, but the war continues. COVID-19 wreaks havoc on local productions and Channel 10's big sell, but are viewers buying it? Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. And it's a big welcome to another edition of the TV Black Box. Everybody's in the house today. Hello, Sarah Monaghan. Hello. Good to see you. Aaron Ryan is joining us from Perth. Hello, Aaron. Hello, gorgeous people. Rod Morris is in Sydney on another little project. Hello, Rod. Hello, Rob. Hello, everybody. And Malk is joining us from Sydney as well. Hello, Malk. Hey, Robert, look, I'm calling it now Mayor of Easttown, best drama of the year. Wowzers, and we haven't even got to the TV binge box yet, but that is coming up a little later on this edition of TV Black Box. There is a lot of news happening. Let's get into it. And one of the biggest court cases of the year has sensationally come to an end. Former Attorney General Christian Porter was suing the ABC and reporter Louise Milligan over claims he was identifiable from a February 26 article headlined Scott Morrison, Senators and AFP told of historical rape allegation against Cabinet Minister. Porter was not named in the article, but alleged he was widely identified as the subject, including on social media. Here's how Channel 7 reported the news. Christian Porter emerges from backroom negotiations, claiming a personal victory against the ABC, an 11th hour defamation settlement secured. They have been forced by these proceedings to explicitly state that the accusations that were contained in the article could not be proved to either a civil or criminal standard. The ABC fell short of an apology over its reports an unnamed cabinet minister brutally raped a teenage girl 30 years ago. She later took her own life after declining to be interviewed by police. Mr Porter revealed himself as the accused minister three months ago, always vigorously denying the allegations. I don't think this article ever should have been printed and published in the way that it was. Today, the ABC expressing its regret in a statement. The ABC did not intend to suggest that Mr Porter had committed the criminal offences alleged. However, both parties accept that some readers misinterpreted the article as an accusation of guilt against Mr Porter. There's no turning the clock back once someone writes a sensationalist article like this with allegations that would lead ordinary readers to jump to a conclusion of guilt. 
As for compensation, Four Corners executive producer Sally Neighbour says no damages were paid. The journalist under fire, Louise Milligan, also firing back this afternoon. The ABC will pay him no damages. I stand by my journalism. I will observe the terms of the agreement which are confidential, but I can say that what Sally Neighbour said was a lie. The ABC's statement, though, is very public, published on its website, conceding it couldn't prove the allegations to either a criminal or civil standard. Not saying sorry, but admitting regret. I didn't think, frankly, there was any chance of them making those types of statements to settle this matter. Both parties claiming victory in a public stoush with no real winner. That is a humiliating back down for the ABC, no matter what way they want to spin it. The ABC has fired back at many of the claims from the Port Oppressor, saying in a statement, the ABC has not said that it regrets the article. As we have stated, the ABC stands by the importance of the article. It is simply incorrect to suggest that evidence in the case led to the ABC to seek mediation. The only costs paid by the ABC, apart from its own, were mediation and related costs. Four Corners EP Sally Neighbour did not lie when she tweeted that no money was paid. Ms Neighbour meant that no money was paid to Mr Porter, which is correct. Ms Neighbour quickly clarified her tweet to say that no damages were paid. Mul I've got to say, this is one of the worst attempts at spin I have ever seen. I'm not really sure what Christian Porter was attempting to do here, but it looks like a misinformation campaign. Only a lawyer could come out and suggest that in them ceasing a defamation action, they've won. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's just a night. If you've only seen the Christian Porter presser, you would think that the man was golden that everything was great and he's cleared the day. Um, very clearly in the statement from the ABC and in part what Christian Porter has said post, um, they have come to an agreement and they basically have agreed to disagree because nobody named anybody and everything is fine. Um, the, the fact that the ABC have, in a carefully worded statement, agreed that some readers... Um, regretfully, or, you know, uh, that it's regretted that some people might infer whatever is... A really interesting play. Well done, I think, honestly, to those inside um, 730, uh, so Four Corners, uh, Louise Milligan, that put in the hard yards to stand up and say, my journalism stands because we named nobody. Yes. And look, that was obviously at the heart of this, what was inferred, what was taken out. But on the PR front, I've got to say, the it, you were watching that, presser and it just seemed like pure spin Aaron and it just seemed like he was trying to claim victory it was certainly up to Christian Porter he initiated these proceedings so if he wanted to carry it all the way through he could it wasn't up to the ABC to drop it they have made some concessions as part of a mediation settlement that's what happens right so I don't know how he can possibly claim this as the win that he claimed, and certainly the ABC reporter, Louise Milligan, has come back firing back at some of the claims he made in that press conference. I don't know how this does him any favours. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, I think he's put something out there, um, you know, the whole defamation thing. It's come back. Um, perhaps he just wanted some sort of statement or something from the ABC. It wasn't about necessarily money or stuff, and he's got a quarter of a statement from ABC and thought that's enough and 
maybe he look i don't i don't really know to be honest it's i i think he maybe he wanted a quarter of a of a of a win and he and he got one that's all i can think of well he's taken he's taken some careful words that he's forced the abc to say and he's tried to extrapolate that into something bigger which the was the lead story on 7 news sydney on Monday night, so mm. he certainly got his message out there. But Seven did a fair and balanced report. They showed what the ABC had said um, to to say that Sally Neighbour was lying. That's a, I mean, that could be defamatory Whole as other well. Case. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to take a quarter of a win and to blow it up like that and to suggest that you were. 100% the winner and you completely happen all the... I mean, lawyers are garbage people at the best of times. Careful. Um, to, 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 to bring out this suggestion that, you know, everything is great, he dropped the case. They yeah. agreed he would drop the case. Yes. I, I, and it, there's, who's the winner, really, honestly? Well, the Court of Public Opinion, Judge Rob, is back for a brief oh, moment God. to say, I guy. find in favour... Of the ABC, they oh, won the PR battle on this one. Can I just ask one question? Does is do any of you guys? Does it bother you when those who make the news keep becoming the news? Because like with this case and the Craig McLaughlin case, it's like the ABC news creators are becoming the news too much. Doesn't that does that bother it? Does that bother anyone else? Yeah. Oh, we're part of the problem with that though. We're part of the problem with that though, Rod. Because when particularly when legal stuff gets involved. Mm. It's it's a story in yeah. itself. So for someone to pull a defamation case, or for as we will still see play out in the Craig McLaughlin versus ABC and Nine defamation case, um, that's legit news, and and we will need to report on it and talk mm. about what's going on. It's disappointing that in some situations um, journalists aren't covering themselves in glory because maybe they're not doing the, their best work. Mm. Um, however, it is to, in, in my opinion always excellent when journalists of whatever breed are, are exonerated for the work that they do because they've done mm. the careful work. Mm. Mm. And, and, look, it is part of the narrative now. A story, a big story gets released and there's been defamation proceedings and you must follow that as part of the news cycle mm. because people often complain we only ever hear the story once and there's no follow-up. This is, this mm. will always be followed up and I, I, I think is in the public interest, especially against the former Attorney-General, mm. mm. to know the developments of a defamation case. Well, last week we brought you the story of Wynn axing nine local bulletins across Victoria and Queensland, and now they've been forced to explain that decision. Wynn received $4.5 million in funding from the federal government's Public Interest News Gathering Fund in June last year, and Federal Communications Minister Paul Fletcher indicated the government could ask for the money back if there is a breach of the grant agreement. However, a spokesman for Wynn has told TV Blackbox that the communications department was now comfortable with their explanation. Rod, that's the thing here. I wouldn't think that the government had explicitly said you must keep all of your local news bulletins. Wynn are still providing news bulletins. So... There, you know, the the government can jump up and down all it likes, but there's not really a case for giving the funding back, is there? No, I don't think so. And like, sh whatever the terms of the grant were, I'm sure it didn't say, well, you must keep this and this and this. But I think it's fair for them to ask the question. It's like, well, what have you done with the money? Mm. So, because that's really what they're doing, isn't it? Um, yeah, the, the question's been asked, and has it been adequately answered at this point? It has, hasn't it? Well, that's what they're saying. They're saying that the communications minister is happy with their response. I yeah. think that, it, you know, 
companies are doing it tough, but it's interesting because of all these changes with Wynn moving back to nine and and, um, Southern Cross moving back to 10, uh, we thought Sky News was discontinuing, but there's a bit of news on that because despite the cuts, Sky News will continue to be broadcast on free-to-air television across regional Australia, rebranded as Sky News Regional and airing across Victoria, Queensland, New South Wales and South Australia. Um, what do you think, Aaron? Other bulletins are being shut down. Sky News is getting a bigger slice of the pie. Um, and there's talk of a breakfast show. This is quite an interesting development. Ooh. Well, they're calling it Sky News Regional. Well, from what I can see, it obviously won't be a standalone channel for the regions. It's just a take of Sky News, uh, the Sky News Channel. So now regional areas um, that have had their news slashed can turn to Peter Credlin, Alan Jones, Paul Murray, and Andrew Bolt. <laughs> so only Oof. Sarah usually only Sarah usually That's very regional, isn't it? <laughs> only Sarah uh, generally swears on this program, but I'm going to drop it. Fuck me, poor regional viewers. They slashed the news, and now they're going to get this biased shit. Well done to regional viewers. The, 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 the only other thing I thought there was, uh, well, where's the journos? Like, you're like, oh, it's Sky Regional. But the fact is the journos are the ones that are going. So, like, mm. it's not that they're going to get, you know, the latest sheep stock prices or anything uh, from, from the farm. But anyway. Look, it, it is a problem because, Sarah, you can attest, in the States, local news is such a big thing, isn't it? Whereas in Australia, local news is becoming the way of the dodo. I think the difference is, like... Australia and the US are the same physical size, but you've got 350 million people versus, what, 26 today? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, our small towns are, you know, 500,000 people. And then you've got a bunch of smaller towns that may have a couple thousand people, but they're close enough to a bigger place that they actually get news on. Whereas in Australia, you've got towns in the middle of literally nowhere that aren't close to anything else that only have you know 50 people and they probably all just know the news anyway um i do feel bad for them for you know things like bushfires or you know bad weather coming like are they getting you know good updates and necessary emergency things um but yeah i feel i feel like you know if you're in a smaller town that's several thousand people you should still be getting some kind of local news but yeah, they- well, they they do with ABC local radio, so that is certainly an essential service that is going into regional towns, but certainly not the kind of TV coverage they used to have. You know, a lot of um, these regional centres had multiple local news bulletins at one point, and now they're down to a regional state bulletin milk. Yeah, and and I'm intrigued. Uh, because I appreciate that when we'll have access to the grant from the government and uh, while they are delivering, you know, regional news and all of the rest of it, um, for them to be axing bulletins and maintaining their ability to fulfil the grant conditions, hmm, curious. Now, obviously, they've spoken to whoever hands out the cash and they're fine with what's going on. The current That grant that they accessed actually winds up on, I think it's the 21st of August this year. So it's nearly two months after the transition and the end of those um, regional bulletins that mm. they are still delivering statewide bulletins covering those regions, I think, is their get-out-of-jail-free card. Absolutely. How, however, it doesn't measure up. It's not the same. It's not the level of um, uh, service. They mentioned last night on on Media Watch that uh, the journos in those regional areas will have been expected to file two stories a day. So if that's the case, to get those stories to air, 
a statewide bulletin is not going to do them justice by any stretch. But having said that, as someone who has worked in regional television, I, I used to work at Prime News in Wollongong and then Canberra. Uh, sometimes those local bulletins are a bit stretched out. Yes, reporters do multiple stories, but it gets to the case where you're doing blood donation drives as mm. part of your, the stories you're <laughs> telling. They're not always key essential stories. Oh, having said well. that, having said that, I do think there's an importance for it, but it also has to be financially viable. When your competitor only has to do a 20-second update multiple times throughout the afternoon to meet its quota and you're providing individualised local bulletins, well, it gets to a point where you go, the, the economics just don't add up, Sarah. Yeah, but the thing is, right, like Wollongong's keeping its bulletin, right, which is within an hour and a half or an hour of Sydney. And to me, that's close enough that you could be getting Sydney news. But if you are in far north Queensland and you're getting Brisbane news, like there's nothing that correlates when you're 14 hours away. And that's what gets me with the Australian regional stuff is it's literally like you've got five news centers in the entire country. Whereas here, my local news is out of Miami, which is close enough. And they actually do report the Keys news. But it's like you're never more than an hour away from a regional media centre. And to me, that's sure. important. And and I don't understand, like, if you live in Mudgee or, like, Broken Hill, whose news are you getting? And do you give a shit about, you know, Sydney or Melbourne news? No, you don't. But the, the, the Wollongong thing mm. is historical because that was the first station within the Wynn network. Yeah. And so there's a lot of history there why that is safe. Yeah. All right. Well, while Melbourne's latest lockdown has been catastrophic for most, 7 News Melbourne and 9 News Melbourne both recorded their highest viewership numbers for the year. But it's not all good news in TV land, as ABC's production of Mad as Hell was forced to change plans of having a live studio audience for their premiere episode. Tickets had already been allocated, but they had to contact all those audience members and tell them not to come to comply with the latest restrictions. Multiple reality shows, including The Real Housewives of Melbourne, are currently filming in the city, and TV Black Box can reveal that The Real Housewives of Melbourne is continuing on reduced staff. Sarah, it's an unpredictable time for TV productions, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I thought that, you know, maybe you guys would be over this and now you, like, everyone was moving to Australia for production because originally you guys were the only people open and everyone was leaving the US and now you're having more and more problems with COVID while everyone else is getting over it because um, we've opened back up essentially altogether. So hopefully they sort this out before you guys lose everything and everything moves back to the US. Yeah, well, that's the point. We're doing quite well, Rod, on a local production front. A lot of US shows have been filming here. Yeah, there's been plenty going on. But for me personally, it's been a nightmare, this uh, current Melbourne lockdown, because my collaborator on the show that I'm in Sydney doing uh, had to go back to Melbourne last week and now he's stuck down there and we're sort of halfway through mm. building what we were building. And it's like... Uh, the, for me, the, the the least of my worries is not having a studio audience. It's having the uh, show ready to go. But anyway, we will persist. The bulk of the production that's happening from overseas in Australia is in the northern rivers of New South Wales and the Gold Coast. Mm. So at the moment, it's largely been spared you know, issues and stuff related to, to COVID. However, it is a real concern, though 
I, I would say that our industry now is so practiced at dealing with it that even the slightest whiff of COVID, and they've got, you know, COVID safe officers on set and 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 dealing with all of the things anyway. So, I mean, honestly, well done to Matters Hill production team for just making the call. Elisa's still filming. Yeah. You just, you're getting rid of the audience, which you wanted, but it's not a huge deal. All of those sorts of things. The fact that um, Melbourne news figures are up is absolutely reflective of what happened about this time last year when all yeah. of it started to bust open. And mm. you could watch it almost by market as COVID got taken more seriously or lockdown started to become a thing, the news in those markets spiked. But didn't lead to bigger revenues, unfortunately. Well, it's 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 a difficult one for the sales team to, dare I say, pivot for. Mm. All right, 10 has released a teaser for their upcoming programming for the second half of the year, calling them the biggest events in Australian TV history. Let's have a listen. The biggest TV events of the year are still to come. Oh, juicy, juicy. Amazing. Welcome to the Northern Territory. Australia, please meet your new bachelor. I'm Jimmy, I'm 31 years old and I'm an airline pilot. Welcome on board Bachelor Airways Flight 2021. Really happy to sign my life away there and then. This is Australian Survivor, Brains versus Brawn. We're home in Australia and it's going to be the hardest and most grueling season we've ever seen. is behind the mask. Australia's newest bachelorette. This show is hot. If that's overselling it a bit. <laughs> the events that will have Australia talking are on What an experience. MasterChef's best season yet is just the beginning. Today we're on the coast. Tomorrow we'll hit the country. This is paradise. Look at it. How good is this? Included in that promo was The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, The Masked Singer, Australian Survivor, Making It Australia and more. Aaron, has that promo worked on you? Does this programming lineup excite you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a fairly decent lineup. There was no surprises in there. Um, all of these shows have been mentioned in their upfronts last year. Um, but I'm looking forward to The Masked Singer. I always love that show. I love Gogglebox. Survivor's back. I mean, I, I wish they did Brawn versus Brawn. I forget about the brains, but, you know. Um, <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> That's every other season. Now. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, they didn't mention a couple of shows that they, the first inventors, that was something that was mentioned in their upfronts. Um, Ambulance Australia, they didn't mention. But, yeah. It's all those shows were expected to come back and, and all the Bachelor franchises. So, But, yeah, definitely Gogglebox and The Masked Singer for me. Uh, where was Pilot Week? That wasn't mentioned, was it? No. Oh, no. No. And I yeah, noticed that a, when oh, they, they showed all the clips of The Masked Singer, they were very careful not to show Lindsay because they don't, yeah. I guess, mm. don't know if they're going to get her or not. Well, the thing with that is Lindsay indicated to Abby Mickelson at TV Black Box that she would be coming back, but obviously there are the ongoing COVID problems and also she has now signed up to a new Netflix special, so she possibly wouldn't be available anyway. The, the really interesting thing, 10 do a phenomenal sizzle reel, honestly. Do you think? I, no, I, I thought it was I good. I thought it showed some great spots. What was clear was that they were waiting for Brooke to be announced because she was parachuted into that 
that edit um, out of context compared to everybody else. There's just her and, oh, yeah. look at me. Whereas everybody else is seemingly there was, you know, footage from a show or blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I said during it to, to the crew, I almost forgot about The Masked Singer, that that was a 10 product and that that was still coming. Um, it's a show that makes an awful lot of noise. It's like it's like high-processed sugar, right? It, it makes a lot of noise and then it vanishes and no one sees it again. It's just there and it's gone. Um because it, it doesn't, you know, kind of make a whole bunch of difference. The Doghouse Australia, I wouldn't have thought that that's probably the biggest show in the world. Um, so they might be overselling it. Um, but they do. They put together a but great promo. <laughs> See, yeah. I, I didn't think much of the promo, to be honest. I yeah. think they've got some a, a good lineup, but I didn't think the promo sold it that well. Um, they've got to stop using this generic line when it comes to MasterChef of it's oh, the biggest God, season please. ever. You know what? Oh. This is not the biggest season ever. <laughs> Viewers are not watching this season. Last season, when you had Back to Win, was the biggest season ever. That I can yeah. buy because you had everyone we loved. This is not the biggest season ever. It's possible next season will not be the biggest season ever. Stop saying it. It's lost all validity. Find another hook line. Be clever in your promotions. Promotions have to be believable. When you use a generic line like, it's the biggest season the biggest, ever, the it doesn't mean anything and the viewer no. doesn't buy it. If you say, we've never seen desserts like this, or even that's a bit too generic, but what I'm trying to say is find your unique point mm. of difference about this season and sell that. I agree, Robin, yeah. and, and it's that those kinds of statements that take me out of the wonderment that the, the promo is trying to build, right? That, uh, like if you, if you gloss over it, it's mm. a great promo, but you're right. You, you hit those moments, hang on, this is not the best season of MasterChef ever. We've had seven of them already. Um yeah, uh, and legitimately, some of them were, and some of them weren't. I think it's also a little bit spurious to include things like "Have you been paying attention?" and MasterChef currently airing in season as you know th- th- some of the biggest shows to, to come. You're at, they're actually on TV. Have you been paying attention? Is your best show by a long shot? I I don't mind the inclusion of those two, especially have you been paying attention? Which has shown there is an audience at eight thirty nine o'clock that. Television executives, I believe, have forgotten. Oh, not just an audience, a night-winning audience. Correct. Mm. Correct. This could be the game-changer of 2021, I think, when network executives start realising putting the right shows on at 9 o'clock will deliver an audience. I think there's really something there. But anyway. Is the weakest link that show, though, Rob? No. <laughs> well, it won its time slot. It Look, it, it, Last it week. did, if you slice and dice it, it did. But at, what was it, four, five? That's not that's not Still a time slot winner. That's not how and, you've been and paying having attention Having said numbers. that, I don't think that's the glass ceiling when it comes to the audience achievable at uh, 9 o'clock. I agree. I'm using the examples of Gogglebox and Have You Been Paying Attention, which can do 750, 800,000. And as you said, win the night. Mm. You know, we've seen Have You Been Paying Attention beat... Uh, Lego Masters. Yeah, insane business that that show pulls. And and a sign, I think, as much as anything, that the audience trusts that brand because 10 trusted that brand. They let it sh- shuffle around mm. and change its format a little bit. And once, it's found, when it, once it found its groove, have a look at the results. 
Yeah. All right, well, look, we're talking ratings, so let's continue and have a look at the ratings race for week 22. And it was another win for the Seven Network, making it their fifth in a row. Team Red brought it home with a 29% network share, followed by the Blue Team on 27.2. 10 came third on 18.7, followed by the National Broadcaster on 16.6 and SBS on 8.4. In primary channels, 7 and 9 took out the top two spots, but the ABC Pip Channel 10 to claim third. Have You Been Paying Attention continues to do the business for Channel 10, as we mentioned. Mm. In fact, it would have been the top rating entertainment show if Nine hadn't coded Celebrity Apprentice in two parts. <laughs> now, they code the boardroom firing separately. i got to say, Aaron, Seven must be happy with their performance. Yeah, it's been a, a few good weeks uh, lately. We said they were going to do much better in uh, quarter two, obviously, than yeah. quarter one. Big Brother's going well. As long as we, we don't mention that Seven Is only... It- What's that? Is Big Brother going well? Perpetually third in the time slot? Yeah, it's going really well. But often number one in the 16 to 39s and doing very well in the 25 to 54. Not last week. I, I, I think mean, it is doing it well. It is doing well in the demos, but it didn't win the demos last week. Yeah, and so, and sometimes it beats um, it, it beats MasterChef or it's on par with MasterChef. And if you don't include the stupid uh, split coding with, with Celebrity oh, Apprentice that they're doing ludicrous, well. Ludicrous, isn't it? So, um, but but this is an interesting point, and, and we'll come back to you in a sec, Aaron, to continue. But what I would say about that, Mulk, is right now seven are winning. Mm-hmm. So if Big Brother gets them to that weekly win, along with AFL and all their other programming, isn't that a win? Do we look at shows individually or do we look at the whole? I think Big Brother is doing the business. Now, you might say I'm biased. I'm loving this season sure, of Big Brother. I, I am so invested. And I... I wear my bias on, on, you know, out there. I put it out there. You are a passionate fan of the show, and that's great, Rob, right? Like, that's what anybody wants in television is people to be passionate about a TV show they love. Yeah, but I also do look at numbers, and Mm. while it's not the world beater in total people, it does often beat MasterChef, as Aaron said, Mm. and it's providing growth for the Seven Network. You know, their Q2 is much stronger than Q1. The, The real tell is in the nightly wins. And and as we have spoken about, right now we're in a, a, a time when it is a week of two halves, sport versus the reality front end. And if you have a look at who won which nights last week, um, I think with one key exception, Big Brother is not helping Seven win the night at all, ever. Um, and that's, that's – it is Can you say that, though, when it's lifting yeah. share? Like, compared you, yeah, to before Big Brother came not. on, Seven was struggling in its shares in the 7.30 yes. time slot. It certainly closed the gap. Yes, it may not be the world beater, 100% agree, mm. in total people. But if the if the demos are what the networks are chasing, they always talk yes. about the demos versus total people. And in yep, 16 yep. to 39, it is often number one. 25 to 54, I'd have to go back and look at, the charts, but it's it's up there, certainly up there. I don't think it's number one, but it's up there. Yeah, I, look, I don't know that it's always number one in 16 to 39. It is a consistent performer and regularly in the top five, I agree. Mm. And that's, that's important for seven. Um, it's not helping them win the night total people on the nights that it's on necessarily. Seven News is doing all the heavy lifting there. Oh, sure. It's fighting for second with MasterChef most often. Um, it has absolutely lifted Seven's share compared to Q1, and that's a good thing. You know, competitive Channel 7 means that competitive 9, competitive 7 is a great thing. Um, Last week, 25 to 54, have you been paying attention? 
blitzed the field. Oh, have you been um, paying attention? Is a world beater. And and uh, I agree with Aaron that this split coding of particularly the Celebrity Apprentice, but I'll you know die on the hill that split coding full stop is a bad idea. <laughs> is the only thing that's helped give nine. Hey, um, I've been guilty you know, of split coding, so I can't Mate, really I know you, jump and on it's that a bad one. Idea. <laughs> it is a bad idea, Robert. It needs to stop. It doesn't bring anybody any value because the outcome. Um, Aaron and I had a conversation about this the other, the other day. The outcome of split coding is that publicly a show that runs for 90 minutes gets reported in ostensibly two halves because there are no rules around what the back half winner announced boardroom section of the program is. Mm. So it could be one minute, five minute, 15 minutes, and you don't get to be able to accurately report what that show did. So there's no actual real apples to oranges comparison for Celebrity Apprentice against Big Brother against MasterChef because it's broken into this, uh, look, if we're going to be generous, an hour and 15 minutes versus the last 15 yeah. minutes. Sure. Um, which is the, the highest part of the show because people want to know who got fired. People want to know who won the thing. Um, and, and finales, I can understand it. I still don't buy it. It is uh, actually working against networks in a promotional sense in the way that I think they want it to. Yeah, I think there's some validity to that. But also on the PR front, they are certainly getting the headline that Celebrity Apprentice won, and that's all they want out there. Aaron, what did you make of the ratings? We interrupted you some time no, ago, no, 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 <laughs> so no, I'll no. let you pick up where no, you were. No, I'm glad we had those discussion. I'm, I'm just, I just don't agree. I'm sorry. I don't agree that Seven's wins are in two halves, um, and it's the AFL on the end. Now, we can, we can fact-check this, but when you look at the ratings before the AFL comes on, on Fridays, because it hasn't been on on Thursday, so it's not even like they're winning with Thursdays. There is no AFL at the moment on Thursdays. When you get to the AFL on Friday, Seven and Nine are generally neck and neck. And then the AFL puts seven over the top and then they win the week. It's not because seven have actually lost up until that point and then they get a big share on Friday and win the week. They are normally neck and neck. Um, so during the week, um, if you take Sunday night, um, you know, they get 400000 for a movie like Red. Now, we look at that and go, oh, that's pretty crap. But that movie's going through till 10.30 p.m. where Nine is getting $180,000 for Law and Order, uh, $100 viewers, viewers for yeah. Law and Order Organised Crime. So they actually get big shares in the late night, which improves their overnight ratings. Big Brother is winning its time slot. If you take out the last 15 minutes of Celebrity uh, celebrity Apprentice... Which you well, can't. But you can. So between 7.30 and 8.30... No, well, you can't. It's the whole show. Yeah, but show. between 7.30 and 8.30, when the shows are going head-to-head, Big Brother is winning, and then like me, because I, I... No, it's not. We don't know that. Well... Big Brother runs for an hour and a half like Celebrity Apprentice does. But there's a hu- there's usually a huge gap between Celebrity Apprentice's boardroom and the actual show. So the actual show, yes. which is running between 7.30 and 8.30, is attracting 520,000 people, and more people are watching Big Brother. I mean, either way... But I, this I, is I, the problem with split way, coding. It's pretty, it's pretty close. Um, Seven News Spotlight's doing well. The, the multi-channels are doing really mm. well. Even that import show, 911, if you look at their... Um, 
you know, the, the ratings last week. There was only 10,000 viewers difference between that and Australian-made emergency on Channel 9. Seven actually quite blitzed there after 8.30 shows, as well as being on par with 9 at 7.30, and then the news ratings, the multi-channels, better homes and gardens and all that kind of stuff. It's not a back-end win uh, win for, for, for Seven. That just... Uh, no, no, it, and it, it important just to note, Seven that... actually won Monday, Tuesday nights last week. They didn't mm-hmm. just win um, the back end. They did win Friday and Saturday, but they also won Monday and Tuesday when Big Brother was But it was wasn't because of Big Brother on those nights. Well, it was. That's what they've, that's what they've got on. Nine, nine and, se- nine and yeah, seven but- news are only 50,000 or 20,000 viewers apart. A current affairs winning its slot. So by the time they get to 7.30, it's basically dead even. And then Big Brother and then I said things like 911 and their late night shares actually put them, o- put them over the end. You can, you, you can absolutely... I, would, I wouldn't call it dead you, even. You can, you can absolutely fact check me, but each, when I look at the ratings and you get to Thursday, they are normally dead even by Thursday. Like almost, you know, like 0.2, 0.3 out. And then, yes, the AFL puts them over the top and then gives them gives them a win. But it's not, it's, it, you know, you make it sound like up to Thursday night, seven are dead, and then they get a big, huge share on Friday and set it out with the AFL, and that's the only reason they, they won. It's just, it's not accurate. Okay, here's what I'm going to do as part of next week's report. I'm going to look at how the shares are progressing through the week, and we'll see where this trend goes because it's an interesting discussion to see how it's going, and I am actually very keen on this. So we will have a look at the progression of the shares during the week and see how it finally comes out. But let's move on because now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. Across the next 12 months, the ABC and First Nations Media Australia will each bring their unique skills and perspectives to three media collaborations around news gathering, festivals and events, and content co-production to support Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people working in media and to increase the number and diversity of Indigenous stories. Tech giant Amazon has confirmed it will pay $8.4 billion to secure ownership of one of Hollywood's oldest studios, MGM. Prior to the sale, Foxtel and Stan had been conducting negotiations to secure a long-term content supply agreement with MGM. Townsville will host State of Origin Game 1 on June 9, with the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak in Victoria forcing a change of venue from the MCG. Townsville was chosen because it has new, state-of-the-art venue with the capabilities to host an event with global audiences like The Origin. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Back to you, Rob. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, we're going to go through Aaron's interview with Angus Ross and look at what the headlines were coming out of that very, very interesting interview. Plus, we'll find out what everyone's been watching as we open the TV Binge Box. This is TV Black Box. 
Well, last week our very own Aaron Ryan sat down with Seven's programming boss, Angus Ross. It was a wide-ranging interview that made national headlines after Angus revealed My Kitchen Rules would not be back for 2022. I've got to ask about My Kitchen Rules. It's, it's obviously mm. been rested this year uh, with Seven taking on the new direction. We spoke about that at the start of the interview. Uh, there's already rumours flying that MKR is set for a comeback in 2022. So let's quash the rumours by asking uh, directly, is MKR coming back to seven? Well, it's not coming back this year, obviously. Uh, we, we've said, you know, we'd, we'd like to revisit the format at some point. But at, at the moment, it feels it feels way too soon. I mean, I don't, I don't know where these stories come about, you know, asking production companies to come and, pitch or whatever on the on the show it's 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 certainly it's certainly not anywhere in in next year's schedule at uh, at this point in time um but it is you know with if if we can again reimagine that that format and and come back with something that we feel you know could resonate yeah we'll, we'll look at it but there was plenty of other stories to come out of that fascinating chat including Seven's strategy and whether it has worked, his desire to see Dancing with the Stars come back, why we won't see Holy Moly while COVID continues to close borders, seven-day ratings, and so much more. Aaron, got to say, congratulations. This was the best TV industry interview I've heard in a long time. Angus was very generous with his time. What was your big takeaway? Yeah, um, and, yeah, Angus was very generous with his time. I, I, I do like the team at, at seven, Fiona, Billy, Andrew, um, great team. Look, I think what I took away from that um, in terms of ratings um, and the idea about this seven-day ratings, a lot of, you know, networks put spin on that, but he was actually quite honest and just says, we just want the best number possible. I mean, we, uh, Rob, you spoke about this before and said, you know, why would a network yep. want to put 186,000 viewers out for 16 to 39? I mean, they are looking for some big numbers and seven-day ratings would actually say potentially that Home and Away, you know, was watched by 1.1 million. They just want the biggest number. So I thought that was quite frank to say that because a lot of people sort of sort of spin that around. Yeah, I, I actually really liked my thing was that the shows that could have been, you know, shows that they almost had or they had and they lost them and they end up becoming successes elsewhere. I mean, every network's had that, but I always find that um, quite interesting. Gordon Ramsay was a good yarn. So, yeah, all good. What were your big takeouts, Mark? Look, I thought it was interesting, um, and well done again, Aaron. Great, great, great conversation with Angus. Um, I thought it was interesting, particularly to hear Angus reflect on life as a programmer. Um, you know, part of, part of the deal around media critique is that obviously we all think we can do a better job than them. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, and it's difficult to try and find the next big thing. So. Part of the dark art of that is not only that that Angus and his team have to find the next big show and and find the best place for it in their schedule, it's taking a risk on things that are untested. You know, they are geniuses when they land the show that works Mm. and they are pilloried when they land the show that maybe doesn't go so well. Mm. It's certainly a tough job, Rod, when it comes to being a programmer. As Mog said, everyone thinks they can do a better job. Angus is a straight shooter. You know, you ask him a question, he gives the answers that he can give. Obviously, he keeps some strategy to himself. But, you know, he talked about liking what had happened with Dancing with the Stars. He talked about the fact Holy Moly wouldn't come back until they can get overseas um, companies to come and use the Mm. course because it doesn't financially work. I found him refreshing. 
Yeah, look, the thing I always think about programmers is that you know, it's not it's not something you go to university and get a degree in. No. Really, it's got to be gut instinct. You've got to look at something and know what the audience likes. And I've got to say, I'd be the worst programmer in the world. Like so many of the shows I've worked on that I think are crap, turn into hits and run for years. <laughs> Things I love last, you know, three episodes and get punted. So don't ever give me a job as a programmer. <laughs> I've got no idea what people want to watch. There's great respect held between the programmers themselves. Um, yeah. within particularly the commercial networks. And and we've seen articles before where they are, you know, lauding, I, I think to his credit, David Knox has always got this great question where he asks them, what's the one hit from another network mm. that you wish you had? Um, and they talk about, you know, I wanted this and, you know, I had to give on that or I, I, I you know, I had this one in my hand and I walked away from it. Um, those kinds of things that you hear those pangs of regret, but that's the joy of, of television and why we love watching it and, and why we love seeing all of the networks perform so well, because when they are all healthy and they're all delivering us big money, big bang for buck shows that we all love watching, that that's, it's about us. Honestly, it's about us yeah. tuning in to watch. It's about us getting the enjoyment, the passion that you spoke about, Rob, um, for, uh, for, for big brother. That's, that's where it works. That's absolutely true. And look, this really is an interview worth listening to. If you skipped it, if you missed it last week, it's the episode right before this one. Uh, it's Aaron's interview with Angus Ross. Go and have a listen. It's if you're a TV lover and love and want to know how the industry works, Angus gives a great lesson here and he's very generous with what he reveals. So go and have a listen to that. It's on our recommended list even though it's us recommending ourselves. But anyway. Well, and it's obviously about us because he must respect our podcast enough that he gave such a lengthy interview. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, I know Aaron had been chasing that interview for quite some time, so persistence pays off, Aaron, as uh, Angus said at the beginning of that podcast. And, you mate, it was just a great interview. And uh, I, I just think I love hearing executives talk just so freely which he did, and it was a real credit to both of you. All right, it's time to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone has been watching. Sarah Monaghan, what's been tickling your fancy this week? Ooh, so we watched Derek. We finally finished Derek. Um, ah, yeah. Uh, we watched the old NCIS episodes with Survivor host Jonathan LaPaglia in it. Um, ah. Because I, I saw the thing today and I'm like, look, Matt, see, this is the guy from NCIS. Um, on the plane, I watched a movie called Unpregnant. Um, which was, uh, it's interesting because right now there's the whole Roe versus Wade debate again in the U S. Um, and this was, you could tell that they had a a political thing in mind, um, because there is one sentence in the whole movie where she's like, it shouldn't be this hard to, you know, get an abortion and not have to travel like a thousand miles. And that the rest of the movie was so well done. And it's about a teenage girl who's like, you know, the smart kid in school and she gets pregnant and it will ruin her life if she has a baby. But, you know, like, in her state, she cannot get an abortion underage without telling her parents, and her parents are very religious, so she, you know, gets her old best friend to take her across several state lines in order to become unpregnant. Mm. Um, And it was actually a very well-done movie, um, no matter whether you're pro or, you know, Mm. whatever. Um, And then today we watched State of Play, um, with Russell Crowe, which I thought was interesting because it has the whole, it's about, he's a journalist and it's a political, his best friend, like his old 
roommate in college was a politician. So that went very well to our discussion earlier. Ah, really interesting. Rod, what about you? Well, I haven't been watching anywhere near as much as uh, Sarah has been, but uh, been continuing watching Startup. Have you seen that? If you like Ozark, no. It's uh, it's it's got Martin Freeman from The Office and um, the Australian film Cargo. He's uh, plays a very very dark character. It's basically about a bunch of crooks getting together. Hmm. Well, he's he's an FBI agent. There's a banker. There's some Haitian bad guys, but basically end up um, all involved with a startup making cryptocurrency. Oh, so I've seen that advertised. Yeah, really interesting. Recommend that. Uh, but the other thing is Australian production, a Maxbox production that uh, was ABC, Stateless. I've been watching that on Netflix. Yep. Amazing storyline and characters. Oh, yeah. And um, Yvonne Strahovski's just incredible performances. It's just incredibly watchable. But very, very dark uh, and depressing storylines. But uh, really, really based on a real story. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so a, a good thing there. An Australian drama. <laughs> You've been watching an Australian drama. What about you, Aaron? Uh, well, of course, definitely Big Brother. Um, the Tuesday, the first of June episode, depending on when this goes up, is huge. I'll, I won't say biggest ever because we don't like using that uh, word. <laughs> it's a big episode, and to, and on Wednesday night, the second of June, it's got a huge twist, um, which is fantastic. Of course, been watching. Have you been paying attention? Um, and I did watch The Weakest Link, and I think they should take a leaf out of Have You Been Paying Attention in just making it simple. When Magda was playing. Magda and her characters. She actually played like a few characters from Fast Forward. Is it Chanel or Chanel? That yeah. she had. And when, when yeah. she did that, it was actually funny. But then as soon as they had to go with these over the top lines and the echoey music, every time she said the weakest link, it had this big echo behind it. Was it. Just, oh, oh, it was hated. it was terrible. It was really car crash TV that I just couldn't look away from. Because I just oh, I know what you mean, but it got. I was trying to think out what are they doing here, and I got the feeling they thought that was piss taking enough that viewers would see that, but it it wasn't. And when she was herself, was golden. If they had just got her to host that show as Magda, oh my god, that would be really watchable because the things she, the interactions with the contestants were brilliant. But this whole persona that she's doing. With as you said, the, the this is the weakest link and echo, things echo, like echo, that. Echo. You know, like it, it didn't work. Um, so it, it's like it's fighting against itself. Whereas if they had just given over to the whole Magda personality, I actually think this could have been a winner. Yeah. Uh, I, sorry, can yeah. I? I know this is Aaron's spot, but yeah, I, I wanted to touch on the weakest link. I, I really was hoping we were going to talk about it. The things, the laugh track is an insult. Um, I don't know if you noticed that there was a yeah. laugh track under everything. There's no audience there. The echo was annoying as hell. The questions are well written. Magda was, as you say, she was great when she was herself. Uh, but when she was back to autocue, she struggled reading autocue and, and like the scripted lines. The scripts were terrible. Sorry, whoever the writers are. <laughs> All the contestants were overperforming. Um, you know, I'll shut up. Sorry, Aaron, I'll let you get back to yours. But yeah, it was, it's, they should have just let Magda be Magda. She, again, mm-hmm. she's an act. She's her. 
she's not a presenter. She shouldn't be reading AutoQ. No, I, I didn't have any more shows anyway, Rod. But yeah, the weakest, the other issue I had with the weakest link, and this is, it happens in the US one too with Jane Lynch. They they pick really, really, really dumb contestants. Like, <laughs> it, seriously. Yeah, they were annoying. Like, the you know, what source goes on eggs Benedict? Ex Benedict. And the guy said, oh, HP source. Yeah. I'm like, I wouldn't have known that. Hollandaise. What Hollandaise sauce? You don't know that that goes. Some I've people never put cooked HP on their eggs Benedict, Benedict mate. I have you never been to brunch? Clue. Have you never been to Sunday brunch? <laughs> but that is my go to. But I've the, never ordered eggs Benedict. This, this whole thing about winning a quarter of a million dollars and they got like 14,000. They just, it was, they, 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 they were so dumb. Like, I know they don't want the really, really smart ones on there so that 250 goes off all the time, but. The, no, they're on hard quiz. Yeah. But these, <laughs> they were so dumb. But anyway, that's all from me. Could I remind you of just the, the one little uh, final punctuation point on it? She actually finished with winking. Yes, oh, oh, and the wink was just so forced. It looked like it looked like the twentieth take of it, and she just couldn't get it. And, <laughs> uh, anyway, I, thought, I, I thought it was the perfect punctuation. So true. Um, okay, I've been watching Big Bang. No surprises there. With the family watched the movie yesterday, and that's coming back to haunt us. I've been watching Big Brother, and um, I, I'm so grateful I get to watch episodes ahead because I'm just consuming them. And after the big t- twist this week, it just really gets better next week, and it's hilarious what happens as the result of that twist. Um Yes, I watched The Weakest Link, but the big standout for me this week was the Friends reunion, which I just thought was perfection. Oh, I did watch that. Yeah. Oh, perfection. Yeah. The Friends that reunion yeah. was perfection from the very first frame when David Schwimmer walked into that set by himself and the set's recreated and then one by one the rest of the cast joined him. It was so well thought out. It was so well done. You got to see them reuniting. You got to see them as a group together for the first time in years. I just thought the whole thing was beautifully produced by someone who really loved the show. That, to me, was the way any reunion should be done. Yeah, we ended up watching it. it You want BTS telling you whether or not they thought the show was any good? Oh, that bit I didn't care about, but you know what? Those little bits that took five seconds, Malk, uh, fade into obscurity compared to what the rest of the special was. It's so much better done. Like, I watched it and we made the joke about, you know, hey, Dad could never do this kind of thing. And my husband's like, well, you kind of already did. And I'm like, a current affair doesn't count. <laughs> um, and someone and people on Twitter were like, well, you kind of did, like, where are they now? And Australia's version of getting a group together is like, where are they now? And they have six out of 12 people come together and they do a five-minute mm-hmm. segment. And it's like, this yep. is nothing. Like, why even bother? Whereas this was like a full hour and a half dedicated to, like, everything. And it was. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. And I hope they kind of do more nostalgia shows from the past, you know, where people still get along. Look at how old you've become. I know. Sarah, <laughs> it definitely was a fantastic episode. In, in retrospect, we should have had this as a, as a, as a full point at, on the rundown instead of yeah, bloody Christian Porter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mug, we've saved you till last. What have you been watching? Did you do Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, absolutely I did. 
and uh, they sucked me back in. I thought it was a, a plotting masterstroke the way that they have turned that show. Uh, uh-huh. So hang in, p- friends. I'm really I'm I'm back in 100. Uh, percent I too watched the Friends reunion, um, and I thought that there were ab- there was absolutely some great moments. Absolutely some great moments at 110 minutes. If they had thrown in more outtakes and thrown in more stories of them telling behind-the-scenes stuff and blah, 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 it could have been a solid two and a half hours. It could have been yeah. Zack Snyder production. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the challenge was trying to insert stars or famous people telling us what they thought of Friends. Look, mm. Friends was the biggest TV show in the world. Yeah, I do yeah. find that weird. We don't need confirmation from BTS or David Beckham or Kit Harrington. Like, why was Gaga there? Who... Exactly. Who cares? Like, why? I agree. Um, all of that stuff, schmaltz. Keep it to just the six cast. Even have James Corden interview him. That was great too. Mm. You know, I'll I'll give yeah. them the fashion parade because fashion was such a central mm-hmm. part of of Friends. But yeah, at 110 minutes, what they gave us, they could have cut out that 15 minutes of bullshit, and it would have been 100% gold instead of these moments that took you out of what were real moments. Yeah, because every time someone came in, my husband was like, were they on the show? Why are they here? And I'm like, mm. oh. Like- well, to have Tom Selleck walk in, but not to have Paul Rudd or, um, or uh, to have uh, Elizabeth L. McPherson or to have Brad like, a whole list of people. <laughs> There's a whole list of people you could have had walk in. Yeah, but Tom Selleck was a recurring character over multiple seasons. That's fair enough that he came in. Oh, McPherson was in three or four episodes. I mean, yeah, three or four episodes. He was in a lot more episodes. Paul Paul Rudd was in the whole final season uh, and a little bit more. So, I mean, there's all sorts of people we could have brought in. That said, um, the two key takeaways. Sorry, Mark, can I just ask a question about Friends? Are are we Mm -hmm. believing the uh, Matthew Perry went to the dentist that day and that's why he was... (laughs) No, no, seriously. Bad scheduling, wasn't it? Bad scheduling. He couldn't put it off. For the $2.5 million he got, he couldn't, you know, even if he had to pay a cancellation fee of 49 bucks, <laughs> he couldn't put it off for a day. But they said it was emergency, so maybe he cracked a tooth or something. And Matthew Perry was always my favourite friend out of everyone. Mm. And even, like, yeah. I liked all of his movies outside of Friends. Um, and so I felt so sad when I saw him just beat to shit, like, on there, and I'm like, yeah, like yeah. it was sad, but like maybe there was an emergency that we're not aware of, and I hope there, it gets there better. There were two key takeaways for mine from the Friends reunion. One, Lisa Kudrow is a star, an absolute yeah. star, uh, and Friends don't talk about Friends drug habits. Um, that, that that was pretty key to the, the all of it. The other show that I, I and I've been watching a lot, but the one other show I want to talk about is Mayor of Easttown which finished up recording time last night. Um, I've watched the finale three times now, and I think apart from the series being just an incredible example of a a, a brilliant return to slow-release TV, uh, week-on-week episodes making making us stop and think and ponder and ruminate who done it, why is this happening, what's going on, the final 20 minutes of the Mayor of Easttown finale is... Spectacular. There's probably about 12 or 13 lines of dialogue in the last 10 minutes. Um, But it's in the performance. It's in the relationship. It's in the characters that we've come to over only seven episodes, know and appreciate and care about, and to see some resolution, to see ultimately Mare start to get on with her life. 
Um, the fact that that Craig, I think it's Craig Zabel, Craig Zobel, um, the executive producer, showrunner, said this is a limited series for a reason. We're not going to have season two. We're not going to have more stories. It is just this story. Mm. Absolutely made it self-contained and fun. What a world. What a world they created. Absolutely amazing. If this doesn't win everything at the Emmys, those people are soulless. I will have to take a look. All right. Thank you, Mark. You haven't seen any of it? No. (laughs) Jesus, man. It's wow. Okay, cool. I've been Look forward to a ride. Seven episodes. Don't watch it in five-minute grabs. (laughs) I don't when it comes to shows like that. All right, that brings us to the end of TV Black Box for another week. Don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au for all the exclusives that you could possibly want and subscribe to the TV Black Box newsletter by going to tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter. It'll be worth your while, I promise. Sarah, Aaron, Rod and Malk, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. See ya. Who would have guessed who done it? 